0: Hi, I'm Camilla Peebles, and this is Real Charlotte Living, a weekly podcast highlighting Charlotte area business, lifestyle, and real estate. Today, we're going to talk about wine, one of my favorite things. My guest today is Tyler Packwood, member of the Court of Sommelier's, previous wine director for The Inn at Little Washington, a three Michelin star restaurant, and currently here at Charlotte's own Ben and Fino Uptown. Tyler, welcome to Real Charlotte Living.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me.
0: I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks for taking time out of your day and um, spending time with us to share about the wonderful world of wine. Yep. Um, well,
1: I've been keeping up with what you're doing. And it just, it's a worthwhile thing, so awesome. I'm happy to be here.
0: Thank you. So, um, before we get started, or to, to get us started, I always like to kind of ask people, um, what got you into wine? What made you decide that you wanted to become a sommelier?
1: Well, the the, the simple is my father. Uh, my my father, we got very interested in wines. This would be back in the seventies, okay, uh, when wine was just starting to become important in America. I mean, we could talk sometime about. The, the, the vintages of 1970 specific and how it uh, kind of lifted the idea of wine in America and that it was becoming an entity that we needed to know about. Uh, my father was a very educated man and he decided that he needed to know more about it. So he formed a group with him and his friends, uh, obviously being his son and listening to him talk about wines and have this 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 beautiful camaraderie that he was developing with, with his friends. I want to be part of it. And that's really the way that my father and I communicated the most. We had very different paths in, in, in life. So the one common thing we always talked about was wine. And he, he had a wine club, which I eventually became part of, and then just wine has always been part of my life.
0: Okay, that's great. I love that um, wine was a point of connection for the two of you because I do think, you know, it's it's not just a, a drink. It's part of an experience, which is, you know, what I really love about wine. Um so I've got a few questions for you today, Please. and one of the first ones I wanted to discuss is, you know, sometimes I feel like there's so much information about the, about wine out there, and, you know, sometimes we can be intimidated when we go to different places, and it's, you know, what do I need to know? Do I know enough? <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted to ask you, what um, what are five basic sort of things or rules or concepts every wine drinker should know?
1: Well, first, not not directly to your question, but first know that wine is not that complicated. It really is just fermented grape juice. Yes. When, when, when you learn <laughs> that or keep that as a basic idea of, of all that wine is, the rest of it is just science and, and and wine making techniques. Okay. But, but once it's just fermented grape juice, it's really nothing to, to be afraid of. And for some reason, we have this, these big ideas that we need to know all these fancy words and terminologies mm-hmm. and uh, ideas about how wines should be tasted and presented. And it, it, it's really a little, a little silly okay. if, if you ask me. So uh, five things that you should know. One is uh, you can enjoy your reds chilled. I get, okay. I get that a lot in the restaurant. We have our reds in a, in a closet, and the closet is temperature-controlled, as it should be. So when it comes out to the table, people are a little surprised. First, that it is a little slight chill on the red wines. Okay. And second, that it actually enhances them. Okay. Enhances them. Once you get back past room temperature, the, the, the experience just isn't there for for the palate. Okay. So you do want to have a little bit of chill on it. No, not cold. I was going to say, like, yeah. how much chill? 60 degrees. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sixty, And then... If you get the, the crazy uh, Euro caves that everybody has now where they have five different levels of chill that you can run in your house. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> then, then that's a little different. I mean, the, yeah. You know, some, some ones run at 60, some run at 55, the, some whites at 40, some at 30, some. It, it's really, it, it's, more of, it's, it's more of a, a science than, okay. than, than it needs to be. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just but chill your red wines a little bit. It'll it'll help. Okay. Yeah. And
0: so you should chill it. And so do you need? Because I've always thought, you know, you can chill it and then you let it sit out and breathe. I guess before you serve it. So you don't have to do that, or
1: depends on how how much you chill it. Okay. I mean, okay. you could actually put your wine into a fridge. Okay. If you wanted to, then that would probably take it down lower than what you want, bring it out. You know, open it, let it breathe. Okay, as it's breathing, it's also coming up in temperature to where it's more drinkable. Okay, no, to where you want it to be working. Maybe like,
0: like by the time your guests get there, the things like it'll that. be kind of ready. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Um, then, one thing I see, especially working with people that that drink wine, is don't assume that you know what you like. Okay. I mean, you know what you like, mm-hmm. but don't assume it just by what you read on a list. You know, you'll go in and you'll say, oh, I like Pinot Noir's or I, I like Cabernet's. Well, Cabernet from California is much different than Cali- Cabernet from France or, or from Australia or, or, you know, there's so many places you can find Cabernet these days. They all have different characteristics. Okay. So having these big blanket statements, you know, I like this. You know, don't be afraid to take something that you might not be comfortable with or familiar with. Okay. You know, talk to the, the sommelier if you have one in hand or, or the waiter if they're if they have enough knowledge. And just say, you know, I like Cabernets typically. I like them from California typically. Is there something that you can steer me towards? Okay. You know? And more times than not, if you give a limited amount of direction, you're going to find wines that you might not have tried. Okay. It kind of expands you a little bit, which I think is kind of interesting.
0: Is it, um, should you, I guess, ask, or describe what it is that you like about Pinot? Like, yeah. does that help give a little bit more direction? Then would you as a psalm be like, okay, well, they like this about the Pinot, so I'll recommend this. Or, you know, one from this region might fit what so they're describing.
1: My advice is very simple. Tell tell the, the psalm or whoever's getting your mind as much as you can that you know. Okay. And what I mean by that is I hear all the time where somebody will say, well, you know, I don't like Chardonnay, it's too sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, sweet by definition is sugar. Well, there's no real sugar besides natural sugars in Chardonnay, so it's not a sweet wine. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that they are they don't like Chardonnays or, or they don't like sweet wines, it's that they're, they're trying to say something and I don't know what it is. Okay. Right? So if you can describe your wine the, the way you want it, and you can describe it properly okay absolutely that's helpful okay but just to to try to grasp these words because you've heard them somewhere or Mm -hmm. or you're trying to make them up so you know that's just going to take you in the wrong direction
0: okay yeah i usually i I stopped drinking chardonnay for a long time because i don't like and maybe i'm using the wrong word but the oaky (laughs) flavor that's the only way i know how to describe it um but i've been learning that there are chardonnays that don't have the oak kind of taste to it. I don't necessarily know where they come from or why that is,
1: but... Well, Chardonnay in America, I mean, you can take it right back to Kendall Jackson. Yes. Which we all... <laughs> you know, it's probably like
0: my first one.
1: <laughs> but I mean, you have Kendall Jackson, you have the Vintners Reserve, the Grand Vintners Reserve, mm-hmm. my, my special mother's Vintners Reserve. I mean, he's got all these crazy levels. Yeah. But what he did is he defined how we were supposed to drink Chardonnays when we didn't have any idea what we are okay. supposed to be drinking. And he actually put sawdust in his wines. You oh. know, yeah! So he would put it in and then filter it out. And that's where all these big wood flavors came in. Okay. And, came, and he started to adulterate them and then said, this is what we were supposed to be drinking. And we kind of latched on to it because okay. we didn't know as a country uh, what we're supposed to be drinking or how we're supposed to be drinking our wine. So we've gone away from that. And we find that Chardonnays from around the world have great qualities that are not necessarily oaked okay. uh, or Buttered or toasted or, or vanilla okay. and then there's the other side of the coin where if you like those flavors there's people that are doing that very well okay mm. okay mm.
0: yeah some people love it yeah. just, it's just not a personal preference for me what's your next one screw taps <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes how do you feel about the screw cap wine I, it doesn't bother me at all and it shouldn't bother anybody okay What's happened is you know, there's a great cork shortage is what they say, and, and okay. to, to an extent, uh, they're correct. Okay. There is because there's more wineries that are popping up. People are making more wine, and a cork is a piece of bark off a tree, and a, the tree needs time to grow and to develop and, and become a cork that you can use.
0: Okay. So
1: the, um, the cork trees are not being produced as fast as the wineries, so okay. you need to put them in something. Okay. But to say that cork is going away is also a huge mistake because there are wineries that own their own orchards.
0: Ah. Right? Okay. So
1: their winery matches what they make to the orchard that they have that's been doing it for centuries, and then it's going to continue to stay like that. So corks are very valuable for some places, but okay. they're not. There's nothing wrong with a wine that's that's capped with a screw cap.
0: Okay. Yeah. So don't judge. A now, wine by its cap.
1: Now, well, um, there's five great Bordeaux. Uh, they're called the first growths. Uh, not really worth getting into which five they are, but one of them keeps their own private wines in their own cellars in caps.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: So the best winemaker in the world has screw cap <laughs> uh, for their own private Notes wine. Notes of self. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's obviously something very, very celebratory when, when you come over and you pull the cork out and you have the yes. the whole ceremony around you know the the examining of the cork. It's yeah. so short. Sure. You, you lose a little bit of that, but that's... And that, what that you save? The, uh, you know, yeah.
0: saving... Screw caps isn't quite as cute as saving,
1: <laughs> you know, the cork.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and not quite as decorative. You know, now people like save them and put them in a little jar and, you know, it's become home decor now. So.
1: Yeah, well, they write all their, their dates. This was my birthday. Yeah. You can write that on the cork and so, sure. Yeah. Yeah, you do lose that. Yeah. But as far as the quality of the wine, no, the, the, the wine, wine main, maintains its quality. Okay. Even with screw caps.
0: Okay. All right, what, what's your fourth one?
1: Well, the I hear that wines from local wines are not good. Okay. You know, you, you, you'll hear that more times than not. It doesn't really matter where you are. I mean, I spent a great deal of time up in Virginia.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, and, and Virginia, they always say, you know, well, you can drink some Virginia wines or you can have a good wine was kind of the sentiment when people were coming into the restaurant. Drink local to try it. You know, you're not supposed to be impressed by it. But... The the good wines have to come from somewhere. Yeah, has to be somebody's They're local lo- to someone. Yeah, <laughs> it, has to, it has to be somebody's local. So uh, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And wine areas need to grow. Okay. I mean, I mean, people don't realize that that Napa wasn't nearly as strong until they, they the winemakers really came together and decided that they needed to make Napa Valley a product as as a as a valley. Okay. You know, and there was a great energy for for all the winemakers to help each other and 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 teach each other and and hold each other to standards. Okay. Almost, so that became obviously very solid as a as an appellation. And It happens all over the place. Okay. And Virginia itself is, I think, the fifth largest uh, wine producing state. That that number always is always going because there's California. Oregon, Washington, okay. New York was ahead of Virginia. Virginia was catching it one time, and I haven't, I haven't seen the numbers on it in a while. But, okay. um, but Virginia wines are, are, are fantastic. And I'm only talking about them because I spend a lot of time up in Virginia. Yeah, uh, obviously.
0: I was going to say, have you tried any North Carolina wineries? Do you have any? I, I have, and the,
1: the energy is not, 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 not as strong yet. Yeah, but it, but it has nothing to do with the wines or the winery. It has to do with just developmental energies. Okay. If you ask me. Yeah,
0: they're still sort of. Um, like isolated yeah. in different little pockets, I would say. Yeah. Um, okay. And number five,
1: drink what you like. Okay. And what I mean, but there's there's so many people out there. There's when you start talking about wines, that are getting knowledgeable, and so by being knowledgeable, they're also becoming judgmental. It seems. You know, there's so many all over the city right now that are there. You know, they're not buying white Zinfandel. I'm not going to, you know, have white Zinfandel on my list. I don't know who's going to want to drink that. Yes. Well, what if that's the first wine that you want and the first wine that you know and the first wine you like? You know, if that's what you want, drink it. Yeah. You know, if you want to drink that and then want me to help you and teach you how to take that base knowledge on white Zinfandel and move into other wines that you would also like, I could do that. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy to do it. I mean, obviously, I would like to see you drink... Wines that are not capitalized as much as white and Zinfandel is, where okay. they pour sugar in. I was like, what is capitalized?" Yeah, uh, <laughs> th- things like that. But okay. If that's where you're starting, then that then you're a wine drinker. Okay. Right? Okay. Even if the wine is not what the sommet deems as being good enough. Yes. You know, Or they turn their nose up at it's it. It's not which is- at
0: the height of the hierarchy well, I
1: mean, if a somebody turns his nose up at the wine, then they're turning their nose up at the wine drinker.
0: Yeah. You know? Okay. And
1: that's just these, these are people that are they're trying. Yes. Yeah, you know, and sometimes they, they they need a starting place, and yeah, if that's where they start, then that's where they start.
0: I like that. That's a great thought. I think um, trying to think back to when I first started drinking wine, it was I think it was like white Zinfandel yeah, there, and Chardonnay. Those were sort you know, of like the gateway, you know.
1: Yeah, gateway. And then as
0: you your palate develops um, and then I started to kind of venture out into new things um, right. but there was you know there there was a point at you know when I first started drinking wine I didn't like red wine like yeah. it was disgusting to me Now I'm, I've kind of flipped and I prefer red wine over white most of the time.
1: Um, well I, I've noticed and I just I just turned 60 recently that I enjoy wines now. Much differently than I did when I was a young man.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, growing up with my father, we had an idea of what good wines were, and we, 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 ta- we taught ourselves what we believed it to be. We tested ourselves on what we liked, you know. And my palate back then gravitated to things which are vastly different than what I gravitate yeah, towards yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit might be knowledge. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't, I'd say it's more just the palate and the, and the way my body's developed yeah. uh, or a- aged. Yeah. To where I like things differently. Kind of like
0: as a kid, I didn't like Brussels sprouts. Kind of. Now, no? yeah. <laughs> you know, the restaurants made them fancy. And... <laughs> now it's great. I'm like, if my mom made them like this when I was a kid, I might have eaten them. <laughs> yeah, probably not.
1: <laughs> and my mom was always sticking tomatoes in my mouth.
0: And, yes. Uh, and
1: I don't like you tomatoes. You still don't like tomatoes. <laughs> not to this day.
0: Um. Okay, what are some common myths people have about wines?
1: Well, the, the first uh, and easiest, easiest myth to talk about is that you're supposed to have white wine with fish and red wine with meat. Okay. Uh, there was a time uh, that that might even have been a lot more accurate, but it wasn't accurate for the wine and the fish and the meat. It was accurate for, for the way that we were getting our fish. Okay. Mom, my mom would always serve fish with lemon sauce. Okay. You know, she loved or things you know anything that had this very high citrus. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, white wine goes very well with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in that case, that would have been true. Mm-hmm. But what we're finding, especially with chefs these days, they're getting they're getting creative with their techniques and what they're having, and they're learning a lot more about the food, like salmon. Salmon is, is a very fatty fish. Yes. while Well, red wine loves fat. Yes. You know, so it's really we're evolving past. The simple presentations of simple meats, okay, and right? or simple proteins, okay. So, the wines can evolve with it as well, okay. So, yeah, you know, white wine with fish. If you have fish with lemon sauce, yeah. If you if you have fish, you know, over a smoked grill, maybe not so. You okay. Know, then we can start getting into rosés or lighter reds, things like that. Okay. So that's one big method you could just. All out the window, okay. <laughs> so it's more about what it's prepared with, correct? Then, okay, that's good to know. Um, another one would be um, champagne, it should be always served in flutes.
0: Okay,
1: now, if you don't know a flute, it's the big tall <laughs> <Yes>. glass. <laughs> and, and when you bring the wine to the table, we've had it uh, several times where we put them in different kinds of glasses because it fit the wine better, you know. And people say, Well, that's not a champagne glass, well, yeah. there's... There's all kinds of glasses that champagne can use. Riedel, if you if you don't know the company, yeah, you know, most of us it. have gotten some sort of uh, idea what Riedel is by now, and they make fifty different kinds of glasses for fifty different kinds of wines. Well, five of them are for champagne. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's <laughs> non-vintage and vintage and older vintage. It was just everything you can think of, and okay. it's just a different design on the glass. Okay. Okay. Uh, they do it for profit. Okay. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, is there a benefit to that? or
1: What, what they're what they saying, and and I've tried it. I've, I've had more wines out of more different kinds of Rito glasses. I've been to Rito classes. Okay. I've met with a Rito family. I've seen these things. And what they're saying is that the way the glass works, it puts the wine specifically on the palate where it benefits the palate the most. And that's okay. what they're trying to do. So it shapes the glass so that when you drink it, it will hit your palate in, in the right places. Okay. That's their whole philosophy behind all this, and to an extent, I'm sure they're right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great marketing plan as well. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but there's more aromatics in and sparkling wines and champagnes than what the flute will well, ask room for. for. Yeah, okay. so yeah, you can put them in different glasses, and, and depends on what kind of glass and what kind of champagne, if you want to get that, that specific like they do with Vidal, or just try them in different glasses. Okay. But just because it's... If I presented it into a glass, it's probably because that's the glass that I deemed best for that particular sparkling. Okay. You know, so there's no right or wrong. Not just uh, because uh, someone said so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but again, uh, the, uh, the 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 flutes are very... They stimulate an idea in your brain as well. I see them as like, oh, this is fancy. Yeah, <laughs> and we're gonna
0: celebrate yes. something.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes. We're, so we're toasting uh, something. Yeah, we're not enjoying the, the sparkling as much as we're enjoying the experience. Yes. Okay. So, like a screw cap, the, it, it, yes. can, it can take away from the experience a little bit by putting it in an unfluted glass. Okay. But if you're concerned about solely about the wine, you don't need it at all. Okay. Okay. Sulfites. I hear an awful lot about sulfites. Yes. Um, and I hear more about sulfites uh, from people who travel.
0: Okay.
1: Yep. Uh, the the big the big um, myth is that there's no sulfites in white wines, and that's just not true. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's it's a lot lower than red wines. We don't see it as prominent as we do in red wines. Okay. But there's no sulfite sulfite free wine. It's just part of it. Sulfates are on the grapes. Okay. So it has to be in the wine.
0: Now, are they... Because um, I think what I've heard is, you know, in particular, you know, California, their wines have a lot of sulfates. But let's say you go over to Europe, like Italy, and get wine. Their wines don't have sulfates because they are not adding artificial things. They're using a more natural, organic process.
1: The... That's true to an extent. I mean, you okay. can, you can certainly, certainly add sulfites, but that's more of a stabilizer. Okay. So if like you're planning on keeping the wine or shipping the wines other places and things like that, then you don't want anything to happen to your wine. Then it it keeps it intact a little more. Where in Europe, they're more local, they're more farmed, they're more intended for the community. The, the, you know, the winemaker will then bring his barrel down to the restaurant. Okay. You know, things like this. Yeah. And so... Uh, There's a whole lot less of that. But what I heard one time, there was a study, and I'm going to say University of Wisconsin, and I'm probably going to be 100% wrong on that. (laughs) Um, But the study was kind of interesting. And what they did is because sulfites are so many times connected with headaches. Yes. What they studied was not the sulfites, but the person. Okay. So you go to Italy, and you wake up in the morning, you know, and you're having an espresso you're walking yes. on the piazza you're like, yes. <laughs> I mean you are so relaxed and then you're having wine with every meal and yes. it just you're, you're you're just enjoying yourself just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> where the other side is at home you've come home you've had this day you know you're shaking you're mad you're the the honking the cars whatever it is it got you there yeah and you get in and you've got to have this glass of wine to calm your nerves mm. well the difference is not the sulfite the difference is you oh wow okay and then it's you're the one that's causing the headache okay by what you bring to the glass which i i don't know how viable it is i don't know what i said but it's an interesting thought
0: yes it would be because i've been to italy uh, you know, of course, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I will say I noticed a very marked difference in pace. Yes. And it was an adjustment mentally for me um, when I first got there to kind of slow down to the pace, which is which was once I kind of adjusted, it was great. Mm-hmm. I was <laughs> like, I could, I could live like this. You know, everyone's not, like, in a frenzy, in a hurry – all the time, you know. To your point, like stressed mm. out, mm. Blah, blah blah. Like you're not drinking now. Again, I was visiting amateurists, yes. so I'm not there living my normal life there. So I don't know. You know, would that change any? Um, but I just, even you know, every shop, every walking down the streets, it just the pace of everything was markedly different than here. Mm. Um, and so I would, next time I'll have to, like, go back and compare. <laughs> I need to go work over there for a little while and see if after a long day of work in Italy, do I feel any different, and is my wine experience any different <laughs> than after a long day here? So.
1: Well, uh, I, I lived in Europe for many, many years. My, uh, I got married in Europe. My first daughter was born in Europe. Oh, wow. So, uh, but... I think I was calmer mm-hmm. as a person mm-hmm. somehow. I didn't have a car for 20 years.
0: <laughs> that would be, I loved walk. That's one thing. I love walking. Like, I can walk miles, and I love how easy it is to just navigate around.
1: Well, they, they talk about it. They talk about how the, the train systems and the, and the transportation mm-hmm. systems are all, you know, Built so that you can get around easily through Europe, and you can. Yeah. There's trains go everywhere. The, the buses go everywhere. The, you don't need a car unless you're going up some obscure place to go see grandma. I mean, yeah. There's really, uh, there's no, and the gas prices are through the roof. And, and however many ways you can look at it, it's just better not to have one. I think. Yeah. But then again, the entire of Europe and all 13 countries in the EU, they fit inside the they, Texas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, it's, 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 we need a car.
0: Yes. I mean, I, I,
1: <laughs> we can't I mean, just hop over to France. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I get if I get out of work, if I don't have my car, I mean, I, I can take an Uber, but I need but I need that. Yes. Yeah. That mode of transportation. Yeah. The buses they, they'll drop me off a half mile, a mile away from my house. It'll be the closest one mm-hmm. at night, but they don't need those buses either. It's not that they're slacking on anything. It just doesn't service. Yeah. Me.
0: Yeah. So, Okay. How do you recognize a good wine? What are the characteristics? It's more than just a pretty label. and. <laughs>
1: <laughs> pretty labels do help. I've, 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 I've heard and read that oh, out of Italy, wines that have birds on labels are always the better wines to buy.
0: Huh. So. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, and, and then I started looking at them and, More than likely, they're right. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's pretty amazing how 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 valid that is. Yeah, but good wine is—it's hard to say what that is. Okay. I mean, if you go back to to what you like, uh, if you want to call that a good wine, well, then yet be careful because there's wines that are inexpensive. Uh, things that like yellowtail came on.
0: Okay. Things yes. like
1: things like that. Well yellowtail is nothing more than, than a Coca-Cola version of wine.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, they buy up every kind of grape that they can get their hands on and then they alter it through through acids and sugars and flavorings and what and so they're making wine that tastes good because it's supposed to. They okay. just made a Coca-Cola for you with, yes. with with grapes. But they can always change the flavor of the wine and then you like it because Tastes like wine, has a little bit of sweetness to it. So, um, see like this this wine is better than the than the fifteen dollar bottle of wine that was that I bought last week when I was trying to get something nice. Okay. Well the fifteen dollar bottle of wine was made by a farmer. Okay. You know, with with weather conditions and grapes and, and techniques that he doesn't have at his disposal. Okay. So he's doing the very best he can and he's probably doing a pretty good job at it. It just doesn't have all of the Additives.
0: Okay, he's not able to manipulate the outcome. That—that's that, what large I want to say. Commercial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. I've never thought about that. That's that's a great yeah. point. That you know, in I guess making a differentiation between maybe wineries or the commercial versus the smaller, yeah. and kind of going back to why why some cost more as well, but a lot of time. And so they're kind of they're dealing with what they've been given yeah. and what they've been given is what um you know what the weather brings or doesn't bring or
1: <laughs> well, the, there's
0: bugs I've, and i don't know other things that have impact
1: when i when i teach uh, wines I, you know I, I teach wines at most restaurants that i've worked at okay. through the years and obviously uh, as a wine director i've given classes and lectures and but one of the lectures that I give very specifically is what I call the million-dollar wine. Because every winemaker wants to have a million dollars, and how do you get there? Okay. And some of it is uh, with quality, and some of it's with quantity.
0: Okay.
1: And so they're all trying to get to the same place, and it really depends on what you want for your reputation and yes. and how you're going to make what it. What is churches. your branding? It's a yeah. big discussion, so I won't start that one on you. But there are people that are, can make a good quality wine. And how do we find them? Uh, trust. Okay. I mean, there's people that are rating wines, talking about wines. Um, However, the idea of the 100-point wine, I mean, you have to be careful with that as well. Okay. Because what a 100-point wine is, is not a wine that's great for you to drink today. A 100-point wine is a wine that's built for its longevity. Okay. I've seen it many times when, when people come in, in the, the early 2000s, there were there was the vintages of, of Burgundy, which were 2000, 2002, 2005. These were the, the, the blockbuster years uh, of Burgundy. And people were trying to drink them, but the wines weren't ready. And they were avoiding the lesser years, the threes and the fours. Okay. Because they didn't get the ratings. Ah, uh, okay. However, when you put it in the glass, they were much more pleasing than these big years at that time. Okay. Now... 20 years down the road, uh, the 100 Point wine is going to win every time. Okay. But you, but you do have to hold it for that long yeah. before it becomes apparent. I, there's uh, a wine called, called Kelsita Creek. I remember one time, got the 100 Point, got the, all the awards they were supposed to get. And we were allocated some at the, at the restaurant. And somebody latched on to all the scores and they opened it up and, like, oh, this is the best wine I've ever tried. And I, I got a little taste on it. I'm like, this thing's rock hard. <laughs> like, I, I, you're not tasting anything. Yes. You know, so I'm not sure what's, what's making you think it's the best thing you've ever had. But, yes. Uh, it's not.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it will be. You probably know a little bit better. Uh, but but, it, but it's it's funny how people get get turned around by scores. Yes. Well, but it is a good rating. I mean, the, the scores are there for a reason. Yeah. So just do it when you're finding that wine that's perfect for you, do a little more research.
0: Okay.
1: Find out about the vintages, because it's not necessarily the great vintages that make the best wine for you at the time.
0: Okay. That's good to know. Because um, I do think that we're, again, everything comes down to marketing. Yes. You, know, and you look on the shelves in the store, and you're, like, trying to figure out, you know, because I don't know, you know, I'm trying mm. to find something new, or and I don't really know much about, whatever I'm looking at, but this bottle has (laughs) a a 90, you know, 96 points and this bottle has blah, blah, blah. And so sometimes it's like, okay, well we're conditioned, you know, we think going back to like school, like the school system, like, you know, you've got an A, A plus is a hundred, you know? So, um, you see a hundred, you see a nineties, like, okay, that's, that's really good. Um, but we're not thinking about, we don't have, you know, I think the average person doesn't have the knowledge that, This might not really be the time. Like, that wine needs to sit a little bit longer. Neither do I.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, mean, there's... there's, You buy a case of wine, buy a case so that you can open one... So supposedly one a year kind of idea, ah. or one or six months. Then or whatever. We buy a case. Yeah. <laughs> so you buy the you buy the case. Okay. So you drink your first one after your first couple of years or whatever. Okay. And you drink it. And it's like okay, and then you wait a year. Okay. And you open your next one. Okay. For that same case, and then it's like ah. okay, and then when you find that spot where you where the wine is open and ready and drinkable. Then you drink the case. Okay. Right. Then you invite yeah. your friends over yes. for a party. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> but, but that's really the idea of a case, is to, is to have that idea that you okay. can eat, try the wine at different points in its life. Okay. And that depends on how you sell it.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, as well. If you're
0: storing it properly.
1: Yeah. You, I mean, you can ruin wine in a day. Yeah. You know, or you can... We I bought a collection of wine one time where we started uh, opening and, and tasting the wines when we were doing inventory, we'd always look at some of these older Spanish wines and things that we bought, and they, because of all the jostling and, and transporting and everything, they, they hadn't settled down. Okay. So they were tasting funny, but we just kept at them. And, you know, months later, six months later, they were starting to be gorgeous wines again. Okay. They just needed to get back to themselves. Okay. So it's, it's a huge question with, with, with no real good answer. <laughs> But, I mean, Robert Parker, he's got his points out there. Well, I mean, you need to know that Robert Parker, I think he smokes two packs of cigarettes a day or something like that. Okay. He's probably tasting more wines than than, than any normal person should yeah. taste. As, that's part of his reputation. Yes. But right now, his wines that he gets lots of points for um, are big and powerful. I mean, they have to get through all of that. Stuff that he's done to his palate.
0: Ah, he's aged. Okay, he's changed. Okay.
1: So they they have to be. In fact, I, will, I would say that Rioja, as an appellation in, in Spain, has changed the way that they've produced some of the wines from the younger producers because they're trying to get Parker
0: points. Ah.
1: So that so they went to the the uh, the appellation control uh, people and, and they said, you can we start? making our wines a little differently. Within the criteria and the standards of Rioja, absolutely, but we'd like to have uh, to bolster the power in our wines so we can get Parker points and become viable on the world market. So the appellation changed because of that, man. Oh, wow. Okay. And, And then you could say, well, that's bad. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. But then he's also the one that put points on these things which got wines into people's palates to begin with. Yeah. Whatever gets you to drink a wine is good.
0: Yeah. And if you're that, concerned, you know, if you're, Mm um, for the most, the common person, we're just looking for to your original point, like what tastes good, (laughs) what, you know, what's, what are people going to be pleased with? And if you're that, um, I guess interested or you want to dig that deep, then you can go, you just need to know, you need to do your research. And when you see that label or those points assigned, find out. Who's assigning those points? Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and do they smoke packs, multiple packs of cigarettes a day, and their you know taste buds are altered or whatever? I would never
1: discredit him because he has put wine no, of, no, I'm on sure the he's map. Brilliant. I mean, he, he's, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I wish my father and I back to my dad. My father and I used to get his handwritten notes. He was a a, um, a lawyer out of Baltimore. Okay. And so his wine notes were handwritten, and you could you could. Uh, purchase them. Oh wow! And he would mail them to you. <laughs> and that's what he. Was, but he was buying all the wines himself. Yes. At that time. Okay. And assessing his own pointing system. Oh wow! Yeah. So and we used to get it. Yeah. Uh, regularly and read it through and just uh, then then we go out and look for these wines and it, it was that's how we got going.
0: That's a lot of fun. Well. And then you're able to kind of have your own, you know, take his notes and then do your own tasting and kind of compare or, you know?
1: Well, I mean, at, at that point, I mean, that's that's how we chose our wines, mm-hmm. was from his points in his system.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, then Wine Spectator comes on board and they start having their own points and their own. You know, yeah. And Robert Parker doesn't even, he's not even allowed to judge Burgundy's anymore. Okay. <laughs> Burgundy kicked him out. Oh no. <laughs> but he does have somebody who does it for him. Somebody okay. very creditable. Okay. So, so, but it, 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 if you're looking for for a good wine for yourself, I mean, start with what you think you like. Okay. You know, then, if you find a bottle and you do like it, then then look where does it come from. Maybe what year does it come from? Okay. If you're a little more savvy, turn the bottle around and see who the importer is. Okay. I, mean, I was just working with um, a wine director for for Finem Pino. And she loved certain importers, Okay. so she would she placed a lot of trust in that, and and rightfully so, because she knew. Well, she who knew, they were. She knew that that importer, and some importers have enough power and influence they can alter wines, okay, or have the winery alter them for them.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Kermit Lynch being probably one of the more famous ones. Okay, he says, "I'll sell your wine." In fact, he buys all of it, you know, and sells it through his import company, but he says, "But." I need a little more oak on this. I need a little more something on this, and he'll he'll tell you what it is that he's looking for. Okay, and they'll do it. Okay, they'll change their product for him.
0: Which is basically he's probably just that's a request based on what his consumer is looking for. Oh, what he's looking
1: for, and you just you trust him. Yeah. So and I happen to enjoy his wines. Okay. So if I see his name on it. So I have two wines that are the same. Okay. And then I'll look on the back before I'll look on on the front.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, If I'm looking for a a, a burgundy, a white burgundy Mm -hmm. or something, or Mm -hmm. whatever, then turn it around and say, well, who's importing this wine? That's important to me. Okay. Okay. So that might be a way to start deciding which wines are good for you. Okay. Is follow certain people.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So... Here's the thing that we all want to know. Sometimes we're having a dinner party, yes, and we want to have a wine pairing, yes, with that meal. So I'm going to go through a couple of different um, meal options or main courses and ask you to make a recommendation. Sure. So the first one is roasted chicken.
1: Roasted chicken is uh, not quite as easy as it sounds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to, to, when you're pairing wines, you first look for the protein, and what is it giving off? Fats or, or, um, or acids. Okay. And, uh, um, and if it, then what kind of wine would, it, would it help with that uh, through the process? It's a little complicated, but roasted chicken... Yeah, these beautiful fire marks onto them. So I want something that has a little developed flavor to it. So Viognier would be my first idea for white wines. Okay. You know, if I can get one out of Virginia, fantastic. They make some fantastic Viogniers. Okay. Uh, not quite as good as the ones from Condru, uh, I would say, but they're getting close. Okay. And to get close to Condru, which is a Viognier appellation known for, for, for that. Okay, uh, You know, that's where they, they made their mark. Then that, that would be one thing I'd be looking at. Okay. Uh, Pronounced yeah.
0: Vignier.
1: Vignier. 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 Okay. Uh, v i o g n i e r. Okay. Uh, if I was going to do red wines, I might keep it a little lighter. Uh, Beaujolais. Okay. Uh, and for Beaujolais, it really depends. I mean, you can get a Beaujolais for seven bucks a bottle. Or you can get a Beaujolais for thirty bucks a bottle. Okay. Uh, I'd say the only difference there for you is do I have seven dollars in my pocket or thirty? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, my $30 bottle should be better than my seven. Okay. But no matter where it is, you'll. I get the
0: seven, it's still good. Yeah, Yeah.
1: you'll be fine. Okay. (laughs)
0: Um, All right, let's go to how about a good old
1: steak? That is very, very simple. I got one very very good answer for that, and that is just bring, bring out your biggest, best, most celebrated red wine. Okay. I mean, you see it. Everybody comes over, you know, they say, I'm bringing the steaks on that grill. Yes. That's your, that, you know, which means they're bringing something special. So okay. if they're bringing something special, you bring something special. Okay. But that's where the steak will take your biggest wines. Okay. So bring your biggest wines. Okay. If you've got that, that one wine that you, that you paid, you know, hundreds of dollars for that you're waiting for the day, well, that, that's your day. It's steak day. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's steak day. So your biggest, your biggest bread you have in your cellar. Okay that could be anything that could be it could be your, your cabs or your Shiraz I mean, it could be just absolutely anything okay but just big big reds You're big bold
0: how about grilled salmon
1: grilled salmon goes with so many wines um for me with whites I like Pinot Gris okay now uh, uh, Pinot Gris is the same grape as Pinot Grigio
0: okay and,
1: I've always wondered
0: what exactly is the difference between Pinot Grigio
1: and Pinot Gris. Well, is it location? Yes and no. Okay. A, uh, we can talk about that with Shiraz mostly, but Pinot Grigio is Italian, but mm-hmm. you can see Pinot Grigio on a label in California. Yeah. Pinot Gris, you'll see in France, but you can see that in California as well. Okay. But for me, I think of Pinot Grigio as being Italian. Okay. And so I think of it as having. Uh, a, a lighter style of wine. The stone fruits are still there. The, the white peaches are still there. Okay. Uh, there's a little, it's called gray because the there's a red pigment in the skin. So when you press it, then the the beautiful, vibrant green color that comes from white grapes right, is gone. Okay. The, the, the red pigment just kind of flushes that out and the, the wine looks gray. Okay. That's where the whole name comes from. But, as much as it is, it's a, it's a wine and a grape. I think when you talk about Pinot Gris, then you're also talking about wines that probably don't come from Italy. And when you put them in a New World type of climate, then they become a, a little richer. Okay. For me. Okay. So when you talk about salmon, especially when you're going to grill it, I want something that has a little more depth. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean that it's a better wine. A lot of people will mistake that okay. bigger, more powerful, better wine. No, I mean, Italy, with the Pinot Grigios, I've got a, a definite place. Okay. Uh, for any wonder you should have those. But against grilled salmon, I want a little more power. Okay. So, because well, of as, the an, grill. as an idea, okay. Pinot Grigio, but New World. New World Pinot okay. Grigio. Okay. Uh, you can get into to rosés okay. uh, with salmon. That's an easy one. Um, with grilled salmon, I like them... On the the sweeter side, and, but what I mean by that is not sweet. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for sugars. I'm not looking for the white zinfandels of, of the world, but the rosés. Uh, some of them are bone dry. Yes, as, I tend to uh, like those. Yeah, as do I. <laughs> I yeah, you know, it's on my bucket list to go down to down to France and have a bouillabaisse and a nice bottle of um, provincial style rosé. Yes. But even in that style, there's some that are a little more fruited. Okay. And again, probably more more New World, and then and then you'll get a little more strawberries or yes. or, or you know, those brighter fruit flavors. Okay. Which doesn't make it sweet; it just makes them more fruity. A little fruity, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like those with grilled salmon okay. more, more than I like the dry okay. version of or the bone dry version of okay. Uh, of rose and then eggs. is that just
0: to kind of complement the the maybe the. Sweetness of the fruitiness balances with the, the, the grill. The, the grill,
1: okay. Yeah, the grill, The technique is everything. Okay. Yeah, if you because if, if you take salmon, poach it and put uh, hollandaise on, well, then that's screaming for chardonnay. It wants to have butter. Okay. I mean, hollandaise is butter. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it wants to have those those kinds of flavors. Okay. Right? Whereas that might not work so well for a sweeter rosé. Might work well well with a dry rosé, um, but. Yeah, technique. Okay. So you put that grill on there. Yeah, I want I want a little bit of fruit, fruitiness to them, my rosé. Okay. Uh, red wine is very simple, light. Pinot noir has always been the best. Uh, everybody said it, and I follow it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know that I, I can justify it any more than just like everybody <laughs> said it and they're right. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I've had it and i tried it and I'm going, yeah, that's pretty good. That's
0: right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> take my salmon and dip it in my in my peanut butter and i uh, yeah. having a pretty good day. Okay. Uh, how about pizza? Pizza, pizza is funny. <laughs> pizza, well, I mean, pizza, I mean some some geek is going to say, well, you need to know what's on the pizza. I said, wow, mushrooms. Yeah. Is it, is it, is We're uh, just talking about yeah. regular <laughs> old pizza. pizza. None of that fancy stuff. It was, well, okay. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you, you uh, I was... You just did this. You said pizza and you laughed and you giggled, because pizza makes you smile. Yes. So why not just have the wine? Okay. So for me, Lambrusco.
0: Okay. Yeah. You don't
1: see it very often. There's yes. not much you can do with it. Yeah. Besides, I just put some ice in it and maybe a little, maybe a little orange juice and have it on the deck. But Lambrusco. Okay. I mean, it's just a fun one. It's fun to say. It's fun to have. It's fun to one that do you're having a fun pizza have a fun lambrusco okay that'd be the one i would do i like
0: that i haven't had a lambrusco Which, in forever you make me want to go yeah go grab one <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean well there's there's too many people that that think that the wine needs to make the meal yes you know, the wine is part of the experience and if it makes you happy you know be happy
0: yes yeah just drink the yeah. one that makes you happy yeah
1: Okay. Let, let, let the let the wine geek say. Well, that's not the right wine for this. It should be a Chianti. <laughs> <laughs> have you Chianti? I have my Lambrusco. Give me a Lambrusco. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm on a smiling and giggle, and you're gonna have a great pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about a burger? Well, my my two favorite wines for burger are Bud and Wiser. <laughs> 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 I know one. people <laughs>
0: probably aren't drinking wine. With their burgers, uh, except for me, because I'm just not a beer drinker, so.
1: I, I just, I, I love a good beer. Yeah. Uh, so beers and burgers, others, yeah. Yeah. But if, if, for wine, if it, if it was a little more serious, and I, because burgers can be uh, uh, done in a, in a hoity culinary fashion like anything else. Yes, that's oh, true. Oh, well, then the flavors for me, from burgers, when I mean, you start putting cheeses and onions, i something, assuming there's going to be some kind of classic, um maybe a little smokiness to it. What I like is to put a Rioja with it. Okay.
0: Uh, now that's fun.
1: Love going to Spain. Yes. Yes. I love, I love Tempranillo. Okay. I think I heard somewhere that there's 323 synonyms for Tempranillo in Spain alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tinto de tara. Tinto Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every little town, uh, So it'll, it'll say Tinto, the red wine of that town.
0: Ah, gotcha. So, so okay. the red
1: wine of Toro, well, that's Tempranillo. The red wine of Humia, well, that's Tempranillo. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, and every little town has it. And, and I've heard there's you know, over 300 uh, oh, sentiments wow. for Tempranillo. Okay. Alone. Um, there's other grapes in Rios. In, in, but to me, the, there's a vanillin in there that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like ones that are made with American oak, Okay. Uh, which most of them are. Okay. Like You'll find some that aren't, but uh, but uh, I like those those stronger fruit flavors, brighter acid. Okay. I mean, you're cutting lots of things that with a burger. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the burger. It's a fatty burger. There's cheese. Cheese. In there. Yeah. A, you know, mayonnaise probably on there. So yeah. you're cutting fat a thousand ways from Sunday. So, and so where can I go into Europe and get acid I need for the wine? Okay. And still have those big flavors. Real. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay like you have a juicy burger and a juicy wine?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so have, it's
0: a juicy wine? Um, all right, how about chicken enchiladas for the last
1: one? Pretty simple. Uh, I'm assuming the chicken enchiladas is going to have a little heat on it. Yes. <laughs> I know my... <laughs> I have three kinds of hot sauce by, by my computer. I work on my computer oh, at wow. night, so yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and really, there's three, in, three different styles of heat. Okay. Full, but... Chicken enchilada, the heat for me is Gewurztraminer.
0: Okay. Say that again.
1: Gewurztraminer.
0: Gewurztraminer. Yes. Did I say that right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, um, Gewurztraminer. Gewurztraminer. is mostly found in Alsace region of France. Okay. I mean, you'll you'll find it uh, lots of places now. Obviously, they're growing grapes everywhere around the world. But yeah. But a good Alsatian Gewurztraminer. I, I, I like the way that the Gewurztraminer cut spice.
0: Okay.
1: It has, it doesn't have uh, any overpowering sweetness. When you smell it, it smells uh, sweet, which is a little bit of a, a, a misanomaly on the palate. More times than not, they're a little drier okay. than what you smell, which okay. is interesting to me. But a, a good Gewürztraminer against um, a chicken enchilada gives you depth of flavor. Okay. Gives you depth of experience in the wine doesn't necessarily put a, a spoonful of sugar on top of my enchilada, which I don't necessarily want.
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: Okay. Put that little perceived sweetness cutting the spice. Okay. Oh, uh, If I had to go red, I'd probably take Merlot. Okay. now there's a, there's there's lots of places uh, when you start looking into those kinds of foods that are not necessarily from Tijuana. Okay. <laughs> or Mexico City. And they put all kinds of interesting fruits uh, with these Mexican-style dishes. Marilow's is, is based on blue fruits. Okay. So, so to me, it's just kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah. Based on blue fruits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so I I, I, Marilow would be a, that'd be a good place to put it. Okay.
0: That's good. I never thought about that. I'll have to try that. I'll be, I'll be trying these pairings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just made them up, so go ahead. <laughs>
0: They sound good. I love your reasoning for it. Makes me go, oh, let me try that together. I'm <laughs> um, especially like the Rioja. Like I'm gonna go back and and try that um, with what was that a burger? Yeah, yes. I'm gonna have to try that.
1: Well, and here's I the thing mean, that is, interesting thing about Rioja, not because I like Riojas
0: anyway.
1: So, well, you know, we talked about wines height you, when you're supposed to hold them and drink them and age them and all those other against yes. big points. Rioja as an appellation, they're. They try not to release the wine. Well, they try to create the wines with with uh, Crianza and Reserva, Gran Reserva. These, these big words are on front of the, the wines. The Gran reserves, being the, the most aged uh, of the three. But they try not to release the wine until the wine is ready to drink. Ah. So theoretically, you should never see a Rioja on a shelf that's not ready to drink. Okay. Okay. Some of them you can lay down. of okay. some, some of the bigger ones. But it's not recommended.
0: Okay. So, so those are actually wines that are usually they're going to be ready when you're
1: yeah, well, picking it up. A lot of times store. you'll see them you won't see, but you know, one until six years after its vintage date. Okay. Or why? Because they haven't released it yet. Because now it's ready to drink. Kind of idea. Okay. And as a, as an appellation, that's how they measure and release their wines. Okay. So if you ever see a bottle of Rioja, is it ready to drink? Sure. <laughs> By definition. Uh, okay. That's kind of interesting. That's fascinating. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Tyler. It has been such a pleasure having you here today and sharing your knowledge with us. Um, I invite everyone go see Tyler. He's at Finn and Fino. Um, if you want to have a server with extraordinary. Uh, wine knowledge, then go check them out. And I thank you for joining us this week and we will see you next week. Don't forget to find Real Charlotte Living wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Real Charlotte Living and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you and I'll see you next week or talk to you next week. Bye. Ooh.